Welcome to the Fab Academy. Um, schedule is now straightforward through the end. Uh, nice recitation Monday with Eric King from Nike on the sustainability challenge um, from them. Uh, recitation next Monday, <coughs> excuse me, is particularly important. Uh, one of the most important technical goals in Fab Labs at this stage in their life is Fab Labs making Fab Labs. So you don't buy one, you go to a Fab Lab to make one. And these are a bunch of the machine building gurus sharing their work on machine building. And we'll have two weeks where you will all make machines. And so this is a great prelude to uh, that unit. Okay, we'll start in on review from input devices and then uh, match that this week with output devices. Um, let's begin with people we miss. So um, Neville, are you on today? I know you were away last week in Urkuleni. No, Neville. And then we had uh, open dot. We yeah, I'm here. Oh, good, Neville. Can you hear me? We got you. So, um, good, Neville. Uh, yeah. Can you can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Can you hear us? Good. Um. We have an echo from you, but but I won't talk as long as you talk. Where should I? Uh, okay, from Visa Fab Lab. Okay. Where should I? Okay, from Visa Yes. So, um, Neville, we have a strange echo. Yes, we have a bad echo. We have a strange echo. But it's fine when you talk. Okay, I don't know if that's much better. Okay, can you, okay. yeah, I don't know what it is, but can you introduce yourself? Can you introduce yourself and take a little time on the project you're doing in South Africa, explain, explain your project at large, okay. and then we'll, we'll look more narrowly at the Fab Academy. Um, my name is Neville Govender. Yeah, I work for the city of Ikuruleni. I'm actually a civil engineer by profession, uh, but nowadays I'm just managing the labs that we have been setting up uh, with the city. Um, in 2006, we introduced to the Fab Lab. Um, in 2007, we managed to convince the city that the labs is the way to go uh, to promote innovation and also to uh, uh, create an opportunity for entrepreneurs. And since then, we've set up uh, five Fab Labs with the assistance of the Fab Foundation. And uh, we try to promote the, uh, the, the, the innovation through the Fab Labs, Fab Labs. Townships that we have. It seems like I'm breaking up, Neil. I'm, I'm losing yeah. you. There's delays in those echoes, but we still understand. Um, Talk, talk, talk about yourself, talk about how, who's doing all of this. Okay, the city is funding the entire prog program. Uh, the city has taken it up on itself to set up the fab labs that we have. 
um, they allocate a budget of about 500 uh, million US, no, 500,000 US dollars per year uh, to set up a fab lab. Um, and they also, uh, all the uh, operational costs as well. Um, as I said, I do work for the city as an engineer, but um, I'm, I'm assisting on doing the fab labs for now. And uh, yeah, the city is hoping that we could ease the unemployment in townships by encouraging people to become entrepreneurs. So we've got a lot of classes that we run through the fab labs, teaching them how to use the CNC machines, um, make furniture, and, and also start selling. And we've done quite well so far. We've got like probably about 10 to 12 entrepreneurs that have come out of the fab lab, started their own businesses. They've also managed to uh, source funding from other levels of government. And uh, yeah, they, they're doing quite well for themselves. Uh, that is exactly what the city wanted in the first place. So people don't look for jobs at the city, but they look at, they try to create their own jobs. Um, what was involved in convincing the city? The reaction been from the city now a few years. Okay, initially it was very difficult to convince the city. Um, they they didn't see the value in it. They uh, They thought it was just a waste of time. Uh, so what happened was we just had a little bit of funding, which we tried to start our first little lab. And then when they saw the value in it and they realized, you know what, this is something that can add a lot more value for the, for the, for the politicians, um, we managed to convince the mayor that, you know what, uh, we want to keep, we use this, these fab labs to keep the kids off the street and, and bring them into the labs and make them become creative. Um, and uh, he saw the value and decided, no, you know what, this is what he wanted. And when he visited us, uh, visited MIT in, uh, in 2015, he was all excited. And since then, we've had no hassle with regards to the funding and operations of the lab, as the money is readily available for us. Um, and yeah, we've, we've set up our new fab lab now in Phosphorus, and busy trying to set up a new lab now in, um, in Katlong, which will be in July. Um. I, again, I think it would help to mute when I talk because there's this funny echo from you. Um, let's see, you're frozen also. Okay. Yeah. If you can mute when I talk. Um, I, I think your experience would be great to document. Probably most everybody else listening would be interested in convincing their city to do the same. And so I think your work is going to be a great case study to show, you know, doing this on an urban scale. Okay, yes, Neil, I, de I definitely will document and um, share it with everybody. Good. Okay, what's Good. your final project? Okay, I'm actually making an automated fish food feeder. Um, I haven't put much detail there yet. Um, uh, <laughs> I decided to do this because I do have a fish tank at home, and every time I'll go on holiday, I come back and some of the fish are dead. Uh, so I decided to actually try and make something that will help me. Uh, that's why I decided, no, I'm going to make this automated uh, uh, food uh, feeder. So uh, that will scale for a project. Um, yeah, again, try to mute when I talk because there's a bad echo. Okay, um, that's a fine scale as a project. You need to be much further in that this page needs to be a tracking page as you progress, and you need to be using the weekly assignments to fill in the final project. Otherwise, you're going to run out of time at the end of the year. 
Okay. Um, yeah, how I'm, you I'm, I'm trying that? to. Okay. Sorry, go ahead. Um, how are you doing on the weekly assignments? Okay, I think I'm on track, Neil. I just need to upload everything. I have uploaded most of it. Um, I just have a, a bit more to upload. Um, I should upload it by this week, uh, and I think I'll be on track again. We just need to catch up with last week's uh, uh, lesson because we missed that. We thought it was a holiday, so we didn't do it. But I'll start this week, yeah. Okay. I'll try um, and do the few, input. Okay. Yeah. yeah. A few weeks okay. in, we moved the holiday to align with the European holiday, so it's an understandable thing. So understandable. Yeah. But you, you've been. But did you have any? Let's see. I don't see embedded programming. Did you have any trouble with that? You're, uh, you're muted. Uh, uh, unmute. Okay. I have that, but I just need to upload it. Uh, so I'm busy working on it. Uh, you should have. I should have it on the site by by end of this week. Okay, good. And just okay. a, a reminder again: get in the habit of documenting as you go, rather than I did it but didn't upload it. Get in the habit of using your site as a working note notebook, so you build the documentation as you work, so you don't have a separate step to upload it. Okay, now I'll do that. Yeah. Good. Okay, great, great to see. You. I didn't realize you were doing it in the cycle. Yeah. Well, we actually got out assisting us here as a guru, so yeah, I thought I would uh, complete this uh, this cycle. Yeah. Sorry, who's the guru? Abu. Oh, is Abu, Abu there? Yeah. Hello, uh, Abu. Hi. Um, um, did, uh, Abu, can you? Can you briefly tell people your life story from Ghana to Wisconsin to Urkuleni? Um, yep. Hello, uh, I'm Abu. Yep. Yeah. Actually, I I started I started uh, uh, I joined the Pap Lab basically uh, back in um, 2004 when I was a student in an institution where the Pap Lab was set up. And I uh, became um, a fab lover and uh, I worked there for a long time. And then um, the Fab Foundation basically, uh, and the Fab Foundation basically uh, saw um, the potentials in me. And then they decided to help me go to Century College because I didn't have enough funding to go to Century College. Uh, well, basically go to college. So I went to Century College and um, I my associate of science uh, in engineering, and I became um, pretty much like a... Sorry, let me just explain. The first fab lab was in Sekundi Takarati in Ghana, and then Central College yep. in Wisconsin. Yeah, college is in, um, actually, Central College is in Minnesota. Oh, sorry, Minnesota. Uh, and, uh, so I was working with both um, University of South and Century College um, Fab Lab, and um, but I was in Century College uh, doing mechanical engineering. So I finished my engineering course in 2015. Actually, I graduated this uh, 2016, and I decided to um, work with the Fab Foundation, setting up Fab Labs around the world. So right now, I'm in um, South Africa, helping them set up the new Fab Labs, and also. Um, 
asking the people um, to use the tools and equipment in the, in the lab. So right now we are a short course um, on CNC machining um, to the local people, uh, just giving them a head start to um, starting their own businesses using uh, the technology available. So that's what we do now. Yeah. And doing that, I am um, mentoring um, Nebel uh, with his family because I realized he couldn't finish it last year. And um, I'm hoping I'll, I'm, I'll be able to push him to finish it this year. So, yeah. That's great. That's great. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Thank you, Abu. And can you mute? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, th there's a lot of demand for people with these skills. And so, uh, Abu is a great example. Good. Okay, and then we also had Massimiliano from Open Dot came up last week. Are you there this week? Yes. Good. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hi. Hi, Nina. Hi. Your, your level's a little bit low. I don't know if you can raise the level or come closer to the microphone. Okay. Can you hear me better? Yeah, it, it's fine. Uh, tell me about yourself. Okay. Um, I am Massimiliano. I uh, I am graduated in um, industrial design, and um, I'm here in uh, Milano. But uh, I'm not. Uh, um, I I live in uh, Caserta, that is uh, near uh, Napoli, near Naples. Um, I joined the Fab Academy uh, here at uh, Open Dot. And uh, for uh, my final project, I think about uh, a robot lamp. Uh, yes, this. Uh, that is um, a, a lamp uh, thinking for uh, um, for photography. For photography. Uh, you know that uh, when you have to uh, make a photo in uh, still life, for example, uh, always you have to move to your lamps to change um, position, uh, intensity, and other things. And uh, this is uh, a project uh, thinking for uh, avoid this situation so that you can control your lamp with a, a smart controller uh, and you can remain uh, yeah, uh, behind your camera. So uh, that's easy. Okay. Um, the, uh, that's fine as a scope. Um, how is the, let's see, you don't have anything yet on the... No, not again. Sorry for that, okay. but uh, I have to um, upload many of my assignment again. Uh, I have the material, but not the documentation um, for a big okay. part of them. Good, that's a fun project. Okay, so input devices. Um, um, I have um, I have made um, an error because I have uploaded in um, uh, assignment uh, 11. Uh, so you can uh, see. Ah, okay. Okay, yes, is this? Uh, it's okay. not complete uh, again because uh, um, um, my my board is uh, um, milling now. Uh, we had uh, some problem with uh, the milling machine. Uh, we can't, um, uh, the, the computer connected to machine uh, have some difficulty to work. Uh, now uh, we have solved and uh, is, um, is milling. 
What was the problem interesting? What was the problem? Was was there an interesting problem or was it not interesting with the milling? I I don't understand the the problem, which is, uh, but we have uh, tried to restart uh, many times, and uh, last time <laughs> magically worked. So um, this is the board. The board okay. uh, is thinking the for the final project. Uh, so um, uh, I've tried to um, uh, design it for, um, for um, the final project. Uh, as you, you can see, the, um, uh, the traces are uh, very, very tiny. So um, uh, we have a Roland uh, MX40. Uh, so um, um, I try to use uh, this um, uh, engraving bit uh, just, sorry, just just a reminder. Sorry, let me jump to. Um, if you go to. Um, just a reminder about pad size versus pin pitch size. So, um, this is the Arduino example I did. Um, mm -hmm. If you look at if you look at my pads, um, there's the pin pitch, the spacing between the pins, mm, and then the pad size, the width of it. And if you look, your pads are wider than the pitch. In my board, I made the pads the same width as the traces. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, it's easy to solder. It's it's not hard to solder, and this makes it much 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 easier to machine. Yeah. Okay. Right. But here you have uh, um, sixteen milli milli inches uh, for your traces, or uh, or not? Because in mine uh, I have worked with uh, uh, zero point uh, thirty millimeters um yeah, yeah. um here um yeah let, 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 let's let me do Design the numbers exactly also to have um a, a yeah. smaller border yeah but let me do the here let me show you the numbers i i don't remember off the top of my head okay so in 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 it's this a, package p-a-u Right. That, that's what I have here. Um, so dimension E is the pin pitch. So it's a 0.8 mm in inches. So uh, the pin pitch is 31 thousandths of an inch. Okay. OK. And so if you use a 15 thousandths of an inch end mill, hmm? which is 1 64th, it means the traces can be uh, 15 thousandths of an inch. OK. So we have 30 thousandths of an inch. So this is, you know, with the 164th inch end mill, which is 15 thousandths of an inch, this is 15 and 15 is the pitch I'm doing here. And then it's very easy to machine. Okay. Um, so to, to explain this sort of tapered end mill, um, yes. these are really nice because you can make very fine features. Um, the reason, there's two reasons I don't like them as much. One is, 
they don't last as long because you're cutting not with the whole side, but with just the place yeah, where it comes with, with the peptex. Yeah, and then the other thing is the depth of cut is very sensitive, and so if the board isn't perfectly yes, flat, yeah. it, it changes. Fact, That's why I like. I've tried uh, many many times this uh, this milling, and uh, last time works very very well. Uh, okay. You can see uh, an image about the the milling because I, uh, we made a, a yes this and uh, okay um, yes so once again all you need to do is thin your pads a little bit and then it'll okay. be much easier to mill okay okay good okay um but did you get did you get as far as reading an input device um i have to complete my my uh, assignment uh, okay. You know what is the, the board? We I can't uh, work. Okay. What is the sensor you plan to use? Uh, I plan to use uh, the um, potentiometers, um, five potentiometers to control uh, the five servo motors um, assembled on the lamp, and uh, another potentiometer for uh, the uh, light intensity and uh, a Bluetooth sensor uh, for communication uh, so that can, I can use in um, protocol uh, week. Okay. Um, potentiometers are absolutely fine, um, but just one note is um, These are old-fashioned rotary capacitors, and they have multiple plates to get enough capacitance. But if you have just a single moving and a single fixed plate, you can measure the capacitance. And the reason I mention it is this is something you can make in the lab. Remember my step response. Yeah. If you just measure capacitance, uh, potentiometers are fine, but if you want to make your own knobs and you can pick the size, um, you can make your own rotary sensors just by measuring rotary capacitance. And again, this has many fingers to get enough capacitance, but with the step response, you can do it with a single plate. Okay, so you can have uh, um, more force, more uh, friction between the plates. Well, but in particular, what's nice about that is you can you, you can make them big you can make them small you can make lots of them it, it's you get to design it rather than having to select and purchase a potentiometer you, you get to design the rotary controller yourself okay. you know do you want it to be easy to turn do you want it to be tough to turn big small you know it, it, you you get to vary the design it's not essential but it's a nice uh, option okay in okay. uh, my idea, uh, the smart controller could be a, a little version of the real lamp, so that you can control the uh, little lamp that is connected uh -huh. with the potentiometer, and the same motions you made on your little lamp, uh, you have on the bigger one. Right. So my advice is, you can. That's a lovely project, but it's two projects. Um, you need yes. another person. But I want to say it really carefully, uh, and let me stress this. Um, for the final project, you need 
separable subsystems. It has to be a complete project that you can, but you can put them together. So not just an open dot. If anybody listening wants to make a little lamp as a controller, you could then work together, and one person makes the little little lamp as a controller, and then we connect it to the big lamp that moves. And so oh, okay. um, that's a great project. And in fact, um, here, I'm going to go into the class site. Um, let's go into, I'm going into the class issue tracker. I'm going to start a new issue. Oh, I, I, I think I already did this. Um, uh, if we go into the issue tracker final project. Oh, um, so uh, this is Massimiliano. Did I spell that right? Yes. Okay. Um, li little lamp input device. To big lamp output device. Anyone interested? Um, use the issue trackers to talk to each other about projects. It's you have to do a complete project, but there's lots of opportunity to tackle bigger projects by connecting smaller systems. And okay, um, I'd say on balance, people use the issue trackers too little. Don't be shy about using them. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much. Good. Um, since you mentioned it, um, Danielle, are you in Comp Linfort? Can you explain Sacha Kit? Hi, everybody. Thank you very much. So basically, Hi, what I did was to to share uh, uh, part of my final project for Fab Academy 2015. So I documented a generic microcontroller board, uh, which uh, works with exactly the same functionalities of the Arduino. You can even program it using the FTI cable. But of course, so sorry, Daniela, where, where, right now this is your class page. Where should I go to see about Satcher Kits? Device page. No, but, but let's see. It, it, am I on the right place in that didn't you start a site for them? Yes, you're right. I published them uh, in GitHub, so you should uh, Google just SashaGit. Uh, you should find the SashaGit organization. Uh, sorry, it's SashaGit. Um, yeah, is this the right place? Oh, uh, just it, click on the here. Okay. Yes, that's the right place because okay. after I realized that my experimentation were useful for somebody else, I didn't First, finish to I, I didn't stop to push any other boards online. Okay, um, explain Satcha. It's hard to say S A T S H A. So actually, I'm Italian, uh, even if I'm working in Germany. Uh, but um, I remember my mother uh, was reading a very nice book, which was talking about a Russian hero. And then what happened was that uh, she wanted to give me this name, but uh, uh, in Sicily, in the south of Italy, it was uh, quite difficult to uh, to give like a so different name. I think I would have uh, a lot of problems uh, living with this different name. So I adopted this name as my nickname. Ah, then, okay. So, we can, so in, yeah. Okay, so we can call you Satcha. 
Sure, thank you very much. Okay, so Satya, what is the Satya kit? Yeah, so basically it's a generic uh, microcontroller board, uh, which I did during MyFab Academy. And now it's uh, being expanded into a, a, a global family of microcontroller boards. So I have all different kind of EVOAR uh, microcontrollers, but also in the last version, an S STM32 microcontroller. And uh, they're uh, very cheap and they're easy to be reproduced with the uh, FabLab equipment. So uh, you can basically use them as starting point to learn electronics. Maybe if you're not comfort, uh, you don't have a lot of knowledge about the topic, or you can customize them uh, uh, to, to to suit the needs to your final <coughs> project, adding sensors, output devices, and so now, on. So talk uh, about um, multi-core. Sure. So basically, what I wanted to do is to uh, uh, assign to a specific uh, sensor. Uh, a specific microcontroller in order that a single microcontroller can manage it. So what I did, I just uh, connected several Sasha gates together using E2C communication. And I did this uh, by uh, uh, laser engraving double-sided PCBs. So each board has two Sasha gates, one per side. And then you can stack up uh, several Sasha gates all together using the E2C communication. So they share uh, the communication, but also the, the power. So, so I use this I, for example from, yeah, sorry. I love the multi-core. I hate the mechanical design. This, you're trying very hard to break the connectors. Sure, in fact, after two years, the example that I have in my lab already broke the connectors, if this is the yeah. answer. Yeah, but yeah. I, I was really fascinated about the idea. I, you know, I didn't think so much about the design at that time. So Okay, but, but to underscore, we'll talk more about this in networking. If you, when you make a more complex project, like if we take this lamp, th there's one task which is to talk to the mechanical controller. There's another task that might be to talk to the radio. There's another task to talk to the motors. Um, in a system like this, rather than dividing time in the processor, um, you put um, a different task on a different processor and build a multi-core system. Open dot. Okay, I will listen it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Thank you also to uh, Daniele. <laughs> I okay. The occasion. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay. Then, Danielle, for the STM, um, um, what is the development environment for it? Uh, so, I use STM uh, Cube to set uh, uh, the fuses of the microcontroller. So you can set the pins as input, output, or you can change the clock frequency uh, of the single peripherals and so on. And then I use a modded version of Eclipse uh, uh, to, to, to develop the code. And in that one, you can use all the libraries that are, have been developed for this uh, microcontroller. So for example, the HAL libraries and so on. Okay, um, the video I'm currently showing is a really important trick. These pins are too tiny to solder one at a time. So what Danielle is doing is you run solder down all of them, and then you take a um, solder braid, and then you suck away the excess solder, and then you're left behind with what looks like beautiful soldering. You don't do one at a time at that pitch. Um, so basically, I failed this kind of soldering during my Fab Academy. 
and then I discover later on how to fix it. So that's the okay. right way. Yeah. Um, this is all great. I, I would vote for your next Sacha kit board um, to do. They already asked a flexible one in the Fabric Academy. So I guess this <laughs> okay. could be one of them. Or, yeah, or let's see, two notes on that. Um, the Before we get to flexible in, um, or actually here, I'm, I'm gonna, this, let me go back. This is an example from, what's he? Um, uh, this week, um, um, let me remember, I think I had it linked. Yeah, so, um, in networking week, I'm going to talk about these. Um, these are um, NRF52 modules, which is an ARM processor optimized for real-time performance um, with um, a radio built in uh, with a software stack. And so this is an example I'll mention this week of a motor controller with a built-in so it's both the ARM processor and the radio, and there's nice development tools for these. Um, so I'd really, uh, I'd recommend this for your next um, Satya kit, an NRF52. It, it, and we, this is a really, the NRF52 BC, um, this one is uh, really handy. Um, you can just solder the castellated pins, but it breaks out all the other pins underneath. Okay, I will have a look. Thank you. I do a flexible one just as a reminder. Um, uh, in electronics production week, um, this was a student um, in the how to make who showed me one little straightforward trick that I wasn't doing, which is <clears throat> you do um, epoxy copper, epoxy copper, but crucially you do a top epoxy layer. Um, which seals the internal traces. And he has a nice video showing all the steps of making the flex circuit. Um, that if you go through the video, you'll see he has a bunch of tricks. One of the tricks is he doesn't cut the copper on its backing. He transfers the copper to a backing where it adheres better before he cuts it. And then he laminates a top layer to seal the whole structure. And that way he makes much more robust flex circuits. Okay, another point about the flexible one is that they want to see you when they want to have this embedded into the, the fabric. So not like just flexible, but just into a cloth or a t-shirt or something. Oh, using, so using the fabric. Contacting, yeah. Yeah. Um, what you're gonna say, use it, are you, did you, were you gonna say conducting thread? Yeah, sure. They use conductive thread, but I think their main issue is to solder the pad of the microcontroller or the conductive thread or on the cloth. Yeah, so um, in electronics production, um, this was a paper from some students years ago on sewing circuitry. Um, conducting thread isn't very conducting. Um, you can attach, I wouldn't use conducting thread because it doesn't conduct very well. Um, uh, a neat technique is uh, micro spot welding. 
you can get little tiny spot welders that have tweezers um, uh, is, is one neat technique. Uh, but I would look more at something like fine uh, magnet wire, not conducting thread, to get better conductivity. Okay, thank you, Danielle, or Sacha. Okay, let's go on now with the random generator. So, Kaipur, Rashid. Am I audible? Oh, yeah. Are you Rashid? Sorry, you just muted. Unmute. I'm Rashid Ghazi from FabLab Careful. Okay, good. Tell me about yourself. I've done electrical, B bachelor's in electrical engineering from Sakhar IBA University, and uh, I graduated in September 2017. Okay. And then I came to know about the first ever Fab Lab of Pakistan, that is Fab Lab Kharpur. And it was built with the uh, uh, help of our university, and I got enrolled in it. Good. Um, final project plan? Initially, I thought to make a, a final project that was parolic, a, a magnetic fluid-based clock. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I couldn't uh, proceed with this idea because this fluid, ferrofluid, wasn't available in Pakistan. Oh, but you can make your own. Um, uh, um, uh, you can mix your own ferrofluids. Um, if you read. Um, it's hard to make high-performance ferrofluids, but it's not hard to make ferrofluids. You, you mix, um, uh, you know, iron oxide, some oil, a liquid binder. Um, you can make your own ferrofluid. Okay, uh, but I was thinking to change it because uh, uh, I saw that that uh, DIY-made ferrofluid wasn't go uh, very good at performance. Well, um, it, it's up to you. It, it, ferrofluids get used for things like bearing seals and valves that need high performance. Um, you need something simpler. You just need it to look different when there's a magnetic field. And okay. so that's, that's easier. And so I, um, if you want to proceed with that, you could make your own ferrofluid. Um, but the yeah. other thing related is, um, let's see, Udayan uh, MIT droplet. Uh, this was a student who took my phys a physics class I teach at MIT, and um, this is, he took the project in the class and he turned it into this really impressive project. Okay, so th this is real video. What he's doing is uh, he's using electric fields to move droplets around. 
so um, because of uh, um, the dielectric forces, it, um, when you turn on an electric field, you can pull a droplet. And so you can also make displays that way. Yes, yeah, so, so there are, um, if you search for dielectric display, um, let's see, um, there, there's displays technologies where you have droplets and you pull electric fields. Anyway, th those are both possible. What else were you thinking of doing? Uh, I was thinking to make uh, something simpler out of it uh, that doesn't use any ferrofluid or any different idea like that to make mm -hmm. some interesting clock-like shapes that uh, are common these days. Okay. Yeah, there's a bunch of mechanisms you can use. I, I mean, there's old-fashioned displays where you physically rotate it. Um, there's interesting optical effects where if you pull a surface in and out of another one, you can couple light out. So, like, if if you edge light a material and then you bring another material close to it, you change the light scattering. There's a lot of mechanisms like that where you can take simple motion and visualize them. Okay, so some kind of clock. Uh, can you explain this point a bit more? Oh, yeah. So, um, the, uh, if you um, edge light a material, it'll um, scatter internally. And then um, if something touches it, you change the index and you change the scattering properties. And so it has interesting optical effects viewed from this side. And so there's displays where things go in and out of focus or you couple light in and out. There's a lot of different variants of that. Is there any relevant project related to it from where I can get help? Um, yeah, not directly for that. So let's see. Um, Um, there's various kinds of, if you search for edge lighting and displays, there's various kinds of displays where people deal with light scattering, uh, pulling light out. Oh, this is an amusing one. I think somebody in Fab Academy was talking about doing this. There were, um, uh, so in old days, there were Nixie tubes. Th Actually, these were my old colleague, My colleague right? is working on this project. Nixie okay. tubes. Yeah. Just so, with you last time. Okay, that's right. I was, okay, th so that's from from your lab uh, where you light these. Um, but yeah, let's see. I'm trying to think of a an example of um, there's display of of this mechanism where where you pull light out uh, by touching for it. I'll see if I can find a, a link for that. Sure. Thank you. Okay. But I'll also just you know like there's the old fashioned um, you know, uh, train displays, these old-fashioned mechanical displays, <laughs> um, just where you actually physically rotate or move things would be fine. Um, so what did you do for input devices? Sorry, uh, Urbid, did you want to say something? Uh, yes. We have one student who is uh, playing also with Ferrofluid, 
And maybe you can ah. give some. Um, do you have, is there anything posted on that? Yes, there are some experiments where we try to make our own kind of food. Okay, who is the student? Chifa, Chifa, first one. Chifa. Okay, and where should I go? So as you can see, this is a little bit similar idea to what, what the guy wants to do. Okay. Um, and how did it work? I know just here, I just made uh, a browser, and in the last video, it worked, but uh, you can see the last video. Yeah, this one. Ah, okay, it moved. Yeah, but you know, the result was not just the one that we expected. Yeah. We tried to test different kinds of oils, like corn oil and water oil. And also tried, yeah, tried also different uh, magnets with different power, and it's still we couldn't achieve something that we could see on videos. Um. Yeah, these are really beautiful. Um, uh, um, with a good ferrofluid. Um, the, yeah, I've never. I, I know you can make these. I've never tried mixing them. Um, ooh, look at that. Um, so here, let. Um, uh, I won't take the time, but why don't you use the issue tracker on the final project to start a question about mixing ferrofluids to share experience on that? Um, I, I, I've never, I know people make them, I've never tried to make them. All right, we will. Thank you. Okay, interesting. Okay, so let's go back to Kaipur. What did you do for input devices? For input devices, I made the motion sensor, and uh, the circuit was complete. And but we have uh, we were facing an issue while using the Python programming. We couldn't get any output of the Python display, so we uh, couldn't see how it actually wa was working. But the circuit was ready. Okay, so to go through that in a couple steps. Um... Uh, this is a tiny program I wrote, and all it does is print out characters coming in. So, in, in this case, um, it, for the simple pyroelectric example, the communication is only in one direction. It, it's reporting back to you, but you're not talking to it. So, the first thing I would do is run this or a program like this to look at the raw data. Okay. If the raw data from this is, so one possibility is you see good data, one possibility is you see corrupted data, and one possibility is you see no data. Okay. Okay. If you see no data, 
you need to look at your board on an oscilloscope to see if it's putting out data. If it is, it then has to do with the configuration of the ports on your computer. If you see data but it's corrupted, it means the timing is wrong. And you need to re remember uh, something important I mentioned. Um, uh, the little tiny 45 isn't very accurate for telling time. And so um, for serial communication, um, this is what the bits look like. And if you get garbled data, you need to look to see what is the duration of a bit. And that should be one over the, the data rate you've set in software. And if the bit rate is wrong, what you need to do is you need to go into the program and change the, the bit timing. And then finally, if the data looks good, then the Python program should work properly. Um, but it's hard to tell if it's a electrical problem, if it's a timing problem, or if it's a problem with your computer ports. So you can't tell that from the Python program. You need to look at a lower level at, at what's coming from your board. Actually, I tested it on the serial monitor of the Arduino IDE. It was giving some uh, unidentified symbols like question mark and that. Oh, that, that's a clear sign that the bit timing is wrong. So, uh, um, yes, go ahead. Is that the key of fast directly from the uh, C, uh, the make fast Python code? Uh, you actually put the F CPU of 8 megahertz, okay, but the clock is divided by 1, and you're using 9006. So divided by 1 is actually 76800, not 9006. The Python code is also at 96. Uh, it's there for your motion, it's there for the step response. Sorry, I don't understand that. The make file says 8,000. Uh, yes, the MIPFAR says uh, FCPU is 8 megahertz. Okay, then your clock in the C file is divided by 1. So the uh, one cycle is uh, 0.125 microseconds. So if you take the delay as 102 or 104 to get 9,006, it doesn't actually give you 9,006. So did, oh, did I get the CPU timing wrong? Uh, yes, CPU timing is wrong because uh, your timing in the C file is uh, for one microsecond timing uh, for a clock cycle, but the make file says that it's uh, 8 megahertz, so it is uh, 0.125 microsecond. Yeah, no, but let's see, I don't think that explains their problem in that. Um, uh, let me double check that the um this number gets you the fcpu gets used um so uh i'm calling um the bit the bit delay function is calling the compiler's bit delay routine which needs to know the clock and then i'm using it with this number and so, um, 
the number here I adjusted with the scope to get the right bit rate. So uh, yeah, the, uh, the building delay, uh, your underscore delay underscore microsecond uses the uh, SCPU time. So right. No, uh, but my point is, right, so the point is that um, th th this works. Um, I, um, if, if I, let's see, sorry, is, is the divide by one nine, 9.6 on the 45? Uh, no, if you divide by one, then it's at 8 megahertz. So it's run at 8 megahertz rather than a one microsecond uh, for your delay time. Because you're I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Are, are you talking about? Are, are you saying this? I'm confused by what you're saying. Are you saying the bit delay time is wrong? Uh, yeah, that's right. Because if a bit delay time of 102, that assumes uh, 9006, but you actually transmit at 76800. Uh, no, but, but... Uh, here, I don't want to take, uh, I'll, 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 I'll double check this and I'll, I'll post it, but the reason this doesn't explain their problem is the number here isn't exactly the bit rate because this number has to account for the overhead. And where this number came from, let me talk, is not my calculation. This number came from, from the oscilloscope measuring the timing. And so this number is the right number given the overhead. It came from me measuring the actual delivered timing. I actually tried the step response board again. I did it, and then uh, I had garbage also. So what I did was I changed the uh, SCP. I left at eight megahertz, but I did a divide by eight to get a one microsecond timing. So after that, everything was okay. Um, uh, here, I'll, I'll go through and double check all of these numbers. But again, e each of the each of these this is the code I used to make the demonstration videos. So I'm. I'll, I'll, I'll double check the numbers to make sure that's all correct. Yeah, the, the, one, the 102 is correct for the 8 megahertz internal clock um, within the 8 megahertz, you know, sort of 8 megahertz that the RC timing gives. Um, uh, there are slight variations, but they should, it should, the 102 gives, puts it right in the middle of the error rate that you can get. Yeah, uh, to be clear, verified and works. Okay, there's two variability things here. One is, if you use the RC clock, there's a 10% range for any one part. And then the other thing is this number is not the exact bit time because there's an overhead for the function calls around it. Um, but I don't think I made a mistake here because I've used this for years and this comes from probing on the scope. Um, you know, I, 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 I double check me and I'll double check all of that. I, I think the problem in Kaipur is the um, uh, RC clock itself is just good to 10%. And uh, um, for this week's assignment, um, uh, the, the group assignment was to measure the analog levels and digital signals. And what I want you to do is actually look at the bits coming from your board and measure the bit timing. And if you get funny characters, that's the clear sign that the timing is a little bit off. Okay, I will go through that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Now a note on that: the um, uh, just a minute, Felicity. The um, 
the newer part, like um, this is a newer version of the tinies in um, somewhat bigger packages. Um, uh, the newer parts have better uh, clock timing compared to the original tinies. Um, but yeah, the, the likely explanation is just just the the, uh, the the RC clock is a little bit off, and that once if you have junk characters, the Python of course won't work. Felicity, go ahead. Based on what you. Uh, drop out from Felicity. Okay, so Kaipo, you're you're closed. But you're, oh, sorry, you're back. You had a drop out. Go ahead, Felicity. Okay, I was saying uh, that problem would only occur if you haven't set the fuses. No, that. Uh, no, the, or, or or which fuse are you talking about? Uh the 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 timing fuse. Uh, sometimes I had that. Well, I didn't say. No, uh, um, let's see, uh, Felicity, we're getting bad dropouts from you, um, but I, I understand you're asking about the fuses. Um, there's two different issues we're talking about that are very different. Um, one is um, if we look at the ATtiny45 data sheet, And then if we look at the um, uh, actually it's, it's probably better to do a AVR fuse calculator. Um, uh, you can set the fuses um, um, you can set the fuses for the clock divider. Um, but you don't have to do that. Um, if you look at my code, um, you can also set the clock divider in the microcode. So it, in my code, for convenience, I'm not using the fuses to set the clock divider. I'm, I'm doing it in the microcode itself. But what we're talking about with Kaipur is not the divide by eight. We're talking about the 10% range of the RC clock. And so I'm guessing that they're not off by a factor of eight. They're getting they're off by a factor of ten percent from the RC variation. But once again, you won't know until you look on the oscilloscope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fine, Kaipar. Toby. Yes. Uh, one of our students also did the MAMS board and had the same problem that the Python script uh, hangs up. And the problem was she didn't use the make file. So FCPU was not defined, but the actual compiler sets down FCPU to one megahertz. We defined FCPU to eight megahertz and everything works fine. Ah, okay. Good. How did she compile it without the make file? Uh, Mike, um, the GCC, GCC didn't work on uh, Ubuntu and so she just copied the C file to uh, Atmel IDE Studio. Um, when you say GCC didn't work on Ubuntu, Ubuntu is the easiest place of all to get GCC working. 
not uh, uh, just heard uh, it was not uh, GCC wasn't working, but she is using the uh, Atmel, uh, the white Atmel uh, programmer. This one. Okay. And this thing isn't, uh, didn't work on Ubuntu. Oh yeah, no, it, it works just fine. I use that all the time. Um, you have to just set set the right. Oh, you know what it may be. Um, ah, if we go to input devices, um, I may not have that programmer in this input device. So if you go to the make. Oh no, I, I've got it. Um, yeah. So uh, this is how I do all my programming. Um, if you set, choose the programmer ICE, um, it works fine in Ubuntu. Um, so I use Ubuntu 16.04, and all you need to do is, um, if you go to embedded programming, um, um, in Ubuntu, you just need to app get install these packages. And with the LTS version, it just works right out of the box. It, it should be the easiest place of all to get it working. And then you just have to pick the right programmer. And um, this one is the uh, ICE, ICE ISP. Yes, we will try this. But um, the main uh, problem was just the SPPU not defined. And um, the delay library um, from Atmel then uh, sets the SPPU to 1 megahertz automatically. I see, okay. automatically. Just gives us a little warning out, but nothing more. Okay. Okay, good. And uh, uh, on the sorry, on the uh, the the there are be careful with using the ice um, because there are a couple where a couple of um, make files where um, the USB tiny is defined defined properly, the MK2 is defined properly, but the ice is not defined properly because it's probably never used. Uh, it's an older okay. an older make file. So there's a couple that are not um, uh, completely in. But I, I like okay. your newer style of make files, where it's just a parameter instead of a different programming option. Um, check make files for ice. Okay, I, I, I have a to do to update uh, the make files. And also probably um, people that are working on Arduino, they have the same have a similar problem problem where um, the chip by default runs on an eight me and a one megahertz clock and uh, okay. you have to to burn the bootloader quote unquote to uh, to actually get it to run an eight megahertz okay and I want to make sure everybody if you didn't if you skipped over this make sure you go back use an oscilloscope to probe your serial communication ground truth is to look at the bits coming out and I want to make sure there's just a little bit to learn about how you trigger on your oscilloscope and zoom in to measure the bit timing. And I want to make sure you all get through that. Good check there is good thing to compare. You see if you're if, if, if every everything on your computer in your computer and in the microcontroller is on the same path and on the same level is to actually send some characters as well. So probe the transmit line and probe the receive line and then compare if your bit timings are the same. Absolutely. Good. Okay. Let's go on. Uh, text up, Ulysses. Hello, Niels. It's TechSoup. Uh, yeah. Renzo don't arrive yet. Renzo don't arrive yet. I, I perhaps in half an hour or the, the handle oh. of the flash. 
Okay, if he comes in time, speak up. If not, we'll do him next week. Okay, uh, but uh, it's possible to Andrea speak with. Uh... Uh, okay, uh, actually, that's fine. Here, we'll, we'll, um, here, let me make a note. Uh, um, let me get the right place. Next, next week we'll do Ulysses, and this week we'll add Andrea. Sure. So, um, where it picks up added text of Andrea. Okay, tell me about yourself. Hi, uh, I'm an industrial designer, uh, and I work here in TechSoup as a teacher, industrial design teacher. And uh, this week, uh, for the assignment, I wanted to try uh, some sense sensors for my final project. I want to make uh, an alarm mat that um, forces you to make some exercises. Uh, I, I don't know what's happening with my with my 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 um, my page, but if you go to my uh, eleven week eleven, you can uh, see uh, something about my uh, final project. Okay, so slow down a bit. Um, what do you want the final part? First, remember, talk to the microphone, not the screen. Okay. Um, what do you okay. want the final project to do? Ah, okay. Okay, yes. Uh, well, my final project is about uh, to make a, like a mat that is also an alarm. So each morning when you want to set your alarm, instead of like uh, pushing your, uh, your cell phone, you have to go into your mat and make some exercises to uh, to turn off the alarm. Uh, and okay. for example, going to sound like for five minutes. So this I week, I was, yeah. So, so I wanted yeah. to. Uh, when, when, I, when I was growing up, there is a popular game where you had to like yes. do this. Yes, yes, something like that. So I want to program like two different types of exercise. And with this week, uh, what I try is like your demo from receive and transmit touchpad. So yep. Uh, yep. I first I try your demo, and then what I did is I added two legs. So for example, if I touch uh, the red, uh, the left, you can see there. If I touch the right uh, copper pad. Uh, the green left will uh, light. If you touch the the left one, the le uh, red left will also light. And if you touch both, the two lefts will turn on. So with this, I wanted to make sure that contact is like happening. And uh, then um, with the exercise I'm going to propose, I mean, for example, the, the people uh, make steps and the alarm will uh, turn off when they finish. But I need to be sure that they are doing the exercise. So that's why I, I added the legs. And okay. okay. So first of all, a couple, a couple notes on that. Uh, one Remember, you don't actually need physical contact. Um, 
because there's an electric field coming out. So you just need to be in it. So the whole thing can be sealed. You don't need to. You don't need to actually physically touch the pad. Uh, yeah. Uh, what happened is that my Mac is going to have something um, uh, like uh, a textile uh, here, and the people is going to like make some like um, I don't know how to say like a step um, on the map, and everything is going to be under the map. So I only tested uh, the copper pads without. Any superfights um, on top of it. I don't know if it's, okay. I should explain myself. Good. No, I understand. Good. Now, there's one thing you need to be aware of. Yes. If you have a transmitting and a receiving electrode, and there's the electric field that you're sensing, um, it also goes on the other side. And so, if you put this on the floor, um, if there's a metal beam in the floor, it'll change the reading. Uh, okay. okay. And so there's a few ways to deal with that. One is you can have the the receiver on top and the transmitter on the bottom. Okay. And so the field goes around like this. And since you're transmitting here, it doesn't matter what's down there. So you put the transmitter under the receiver. And another way to do it is you put the receiver in the middle and you wrap the transmitter around it. And then this is a foam. This is a material you can compress. So you transmit here and you receive here. And then when you push it, you squeeze them together. And again, that way it doesn't matter. You just need to be aware that the field goes on the bottom as well as the top. Yeah, maybe like a sandwich, something like that. Yeah, and, and that works just fine. Uh, okay, 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 thank you. Okay. Thank you, uh, I will, thank you for that. Yeah, good, I, I like this idea of you have to like do this motion to... Um, yeah, I think uh, it's important to context are really early, so I, I want to encourage people to do that with an alarm clock <laughs> that only were turned off by doing it. So. Yep, good. Okay, that's a fun idea. Thank you. Um, Spinder Holland Klaus. Oh. Let's see, didn't we meet Klaus already? Hiding. Yeah. Um, yeah, you you met me already, and um, uh, I have not uploaded stuff for this week because I took uh, Matt Keeter's uh, challenging board and redesigned it, and it was a huge challenge for me. And I'm uh, in the process of finishing up. Okay, which board did you do? Matt Keeter, he did the multi-touch uh, board. Oh, oh, Matt Keeter's multi-touch. Ah, okay, so yeah. you're redoing. Yeah, I have the board here, and it fits uh, perfectly for my um, for my final project. I removed the touchpad from the rear, and then took these uh, breakouts okay. uh, in order to wire the, the 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 plates where they needed to be. 
But oh, uh, but hold on. Just a minute. You need to be really careful because um, if these are the touchpad plates, um, if you're going to run a ribbon cable, um, there's a huge amount of capacitance in the cable. So generally, you you want to put the sensor right at the electrodes. Otherwise, um, you're going to be very sensitive to like where the cable goes and anybody getting near the cable. Do you have so, any suggestions for that? If I want to spread the touchpad yeah, out. Yeah, the suggestion is, um, if you take any one touchpad, um, uh, so you can get AVRs all the way down to um, uh, you can get these in a um, let's see this. Um, the smallest AVR you can get is all the way down to this, oh, the tiny 10, down to this little tiny package. And so what you want to do is um, have one or, you, you can have one processor per electrode, depending on how many, you could have one processor per row. But what you want to do is you want the processors very close to the electrodes, and then the ribbon cable is the high-level signals. Okay. So put little processors at the electrodes to do the measurement, but then all the rest of the interpretation and interfacing and everything can be far away. But you want to send the digital signals, not the capacitive signals. So if you want to do it, um, here's what you have to do. Um, uh, um, if, if this is the um, what you're sensing. Mm -hmm. You can't field it with ground because then you'd have a huge ground. Um, but what you can do is um, if you shield it with the transmit signal, um, it it's close to what you need. Um, what you actually do if you truly need to do this is um, you have what's called a follower. You have a, 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 an amplifier driving the shield to match the inner cable. And there are special amplifiers that have no gain but are really fast. And you use them to drive the shield. Um, and an approximation is to use the transmit as the shield. And so if you have to use the ribbon cable, one of the tricks you use is you have two transmit wires next to the receive wire to act as a sort of shield. Those are the kinds of tricks you have to get into. That's why it's much, much better to put processors at the electrode and and just bust the digital signals. Yeah. What uh, is your final project? Yeah, I'll make a, a lab furniture with a row of, a, yeah, it'll be a redrawing of that one. Originally, it was just a table for my kitchen. Right now, I'm making a lab furniture, but it has a it has a row between the wood pieces, and in that piece of row, I would make a string of LEDs and a capacitive sensors uh, that speaks to a Google Calendar. 
Ah, okay. So uh, if if, uh, the, if the lab furniture where the 3D printer is, for example, is available, you can uh, slide your finger, and that will uh, make the green diodes flash, and then you confirm with an RFID, your unique ID, and it will send the booking to the Google Calendar and open ah, okay. your power supply. Yeah, so that's a classic one then. Um, in networking week, we'll talk about inner processor communication. This is the classic one where you'll have like it, you'll have a zone for interaction and you put a processor there to read the sensors. Mm -hmm. And then you have a digital bus that'll go off to another processor that's doing the communication or the interface. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Question about the uh, about the driver. Uh, for if if you if you want a driven uh, driven shield, yeah, uh, could you just use an op amp for that in uh, voltage follower mode? So the, the issue is yes, but there's very special ones for this because um, you need so in the gain bandwidth. So if you go to um, if you search for follower, you get um, Um, line followers. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what DigiKey calls it, but um, uh, they're very special because they have no gain, but they need to be really, really fast. Because if they're not fast, you get all kinds of artifacts in the measurement that if it's not sort of faster than everything else in the problem, what you end up measuring on your sensing wire is actually the transient response of the amplifier. So the amplifier has to have no gain but be faster than everything else that you're doing. And the other thing is it has to generate a fair amount of current, not, not total current, but transient current. And so it's a very funny kind of amplifier um, that whose life is just to do that measurement. I think the amplifiers, the op amps that are in the FAP inventory are like 24 megahertz. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they would work okay, but there's a special job in life in doing it. But again, um, I haven't used one for years because, you know, it, it, when you can get an eight, you know, when you can get an AT tiny 10, um, you know, so here's an AT tiny 10. Um, when you can get a processor, and this is just, you know, in the same family we've been using, you can paste these wherever you want and you just send high level signals. Yeah, they, these aren't that hard to use. They're really fun. I think I'll opt for that uh, solution anyway, Niels. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, thank you. Let's keep going random. Um, Salman from Kochi. <laughs> Kochi. We'll leave Kochi up. Hello? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, good. Make, make sure you're ready to unmute. Uh, tell me about yourself. I am Salman. I'm a BCA graduate from 
Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm a BSA graduate and um, uh, I work in Axel as an ambassador. So, so sorry, um, here, fi finish moving things around so we can hear you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, hello. Your audio is fine. Stop moving things. <laughs> okay. Okay. What is Hackster.io? Uh, actually, it's a hardware uh, hardware platform. Yeah. Okay. I'm an ambassador in Kerala, so. And okay. Good. Uh, this is okay. my final project. What is it? It's a waste management system. Uh, I name it as a planet bin. So, it will monitor oh, the waste bin. Got and, it. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, how are you going to sense the waste? Yeah, I'm planning to use uh, ultrasonic. So, uh, in this week, I, I did a small prototype using the ultrasonic sensors. Uh, this is the small waste bin. Okay. Ah, okay. Uh, and I did a small prototype using. Jose used an 80 as a microcontroller. Good. And also include the thermistor for measuring the temperature inside the. And I use the Arduino. ID and Arduino bootloader. After that, I use uh, 8044-45. And this is the video. Just a demo video. We fill some waste and we'll measure the. And I, I can't see the numbers, but you got good results. Yeah, I will focus the, the, there. Okay, I got the correct numbers. Like the percentages. First, I measure the, measure the distance from uh, the depth of the bottle, and uh, I subtracted from the. Okay. Yeah, I, I think that should be fine. Um, remember, ultrasonic depends on the material, but I think if you're filling a spin, you get good scattering from it. Yeah. The one other, sorry, the one other way you could also do it is with. Um, well, actually, you could do a load cell to weigh it. But but the mass may vary, so you, it, that's probably right. You want to do ultrasonic for distance. Okay. Okay, good. That sounds fine. So now you're going to make a big one. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be a big one, and also the analytics, so the drivers can get the smallest path to collect the waste. Yeah. Okay. Good. The side using the node red. I'm using Nordred as a server side. Okay. Yeah, Nordred so, um, good. And also, I did a small uh, project use in, in using the uh, 
Kain IoT platform. You can see my Axel IO profile. Sorry, where should I go? My Axel IO profile is in the my bio. Here. Uh, the Axel IO, yes. I did a smart. Yeah, this is SAB. The SAB says smart electric waste bin. I, in here I use a third party cloud platform, but now I am using my own cloud using the Node Red. So, also using SCCS Azure for ultrasonic sensor. In here I use a Node MCU ESP8266. I'm also planning to same my controller. Yeah, um, good. That's how, so for everybody else in um, interface week, we'll talk, we'll talk about platforms that actually data from these devices. And in networking week, we'll cover a number of questions. ESP8266 Wi-Fi, there are also long range radios that you could use to not, we'll cover some options for that. I'm also planning to use my final project. So it's easily available and cheap. So good. And, the and then, do you know? Uh, are, are you in touch with the city? Will you be able to deploy this in Kochi? Yeah, I am planning to deploying, but after completing the full work, I will. Okay. Good. Okay, that all sounds fine. That sounds like good progress. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're, yeah, we're almost out of just a few minutes. Um, who had interesting successes or failures this week? Hi, Neil. Yeah. Did you just go? Yeah. It's uh, yeah, from this step. Um, yeah, so this week I made the distance. Uh, sorry, sorry, let me catch up. Adrian, did you say? Adrian, yes. Yeah, Adrian. Uh, so I've made the um, um, so now distance, yeah, uh, input device, but I was unable to. Uh, um, Output output device like the the, the Python um, uh, the 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 Python uh, display you know yeah I wasn't able to to read anything like uh, the, the first person will, will pass on the the stuff so I was wondering how this uh, would work because uh, I I don't know how it worked so again that's what we did with Kochi the first thing you should do is use a serial monitor to look at the raw characters and then okay. if, if they're garbled then use an oscilloscope to look at the the data that's the same question we just started not Kochi um with the Pakistan um yeah, yeah, yeah. we just yeah exactly but, that sequence okay that, yeah. my, my question was more like, uh, how do you connect to your your uh, your device to 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 display the stuff? Not like uh, how do you read uh, data, but more how do you display them? Where do you find them? I, I don't understand the question. Okay. Uh, no, no, try again. What What do you mean by display them? I'm not sure what you're asking. Like, uh, so you have this car that sends uh, information. 
So uh, my question where was, uh, how can I connect to my uh, input device so that, that I can uh, take this stuff and display them on the Python uh, file? That I don't oh, know what to but, do with. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I think what you're asking is, um, this whole week is going to be how you present data from a device, and this whole week is going to be how you communicate the data. I think what you're asking is about these coming weeks. Yeah, it's more like that. I know. Okay, good. So come to class, and we'll talk about all of that. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay thanks, uh, who else had interesting successes or failures this week? Uh, hi, this is Berita from the Westman Islands. Okay, go ahead. Are you for me or for yeah. textile? Yeah, Westman no, okay. and then it looked like Amsterdam. So, okay. Uh, okay. who is this? Uh, Berita from the Faroe Islands. I'm uh, doing my Fab Academy here in the Westman Islands. Okay, uh, Berita. Berita. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so this week I discovered an issue where I had mislabeled my pins, but perhaps more interestingly, I found the serial monitor in Arduino IDE. Good. Yes. Yeah. So uh, because I really like the Arduino IDE interface, I was trying to use that rather than uh, using the C code. Um, First of all, I'm going to, I have to keep reminding everybody, you're still using C code in Arduino, but Arduino I, is an yes. IDE. So it's not it's C interface. versus Arduino, it's you like the IDE, which is fine. The type of code writing, rather, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. The, I, the discovered, I discovered the, uh, the serial monitor in there, which can listen to data pings from your microcontroller. And yep. a part of that was like the problem with it is that the serial code refused to work when I was trying to transfer it to my ATtiny. Mm -hmm. So I, I like searched the problem and uh, figured out that you have to use software serial and then it worked. Okay, but, but there, there's a big note on that and do an exercise. So if you look at my code, um, um, here's my this put care. This is my, in, in my examples, this little routine is my version of software serial. Yep. Okay. Arduino's software serial is a much bigger library. And so you can use software serial. By writing it myself, it's smaller in size and it's more efficient in time. And so you look at this, the amount of your code when you put in the software serial library, and you can compare it to this. I, I prefer to have this little tiny routine rather than calling out to the big library, but you're right, if th that's one way to do it. It just felt easier because I'm still a bit intimidated by this whole thing, but it worked. Okay. So it now, okay. uh, <laughs> it, it sends um, a light and then it doesn't when it's light out. Oh, so. oh that's great. Oh, and Arduino pins pins are confusing in Arduino. Um, what, what you know, what the Arduino calls the pin versus what Atmel calls the calls the pin. Yeah. So the thing is, I actually, um, if you scroll down and hit the previous project, this has been a problem for me for several weeks now, where my codes would not do what I wanted them to do. They would sort of work, but not entirely. 
uh, previous projects there and the fine tuning. <laughs> yes, embedded okay. programming. So uh, as you see, I had three boards that were all kind of the same, um, except I had different phototransistors on each one because they kept not working. Uh, this yeah. week I actually researched them. So I looked at them and the ones with the little circular lens are, um, they're obsolete but they only detect infrared and otherwise they look exactly like the new ones which have a square lens and then we have like these big ones and we have these very small ones and in any yep. case i ended up looking over five or six different data sheets until i found this one which works right so one reason why i'm so paranoid about libraries is um using something like the standard arduino library you have to go from the processor data sheet um, to the environment data sheet before you can talk to the pin. And I prefer to be closer to sort of ground truth to, to the, the processor data sheet. But it sounds like you've, you've learned that and you've got all that working now. Yeah. Okay, good, thank you. We're almost out of time. I saw Amsterdam had something. Yes, but maybe we can uh, do it the next week because it's yeah. about a strength measurement, how to measure a thickness of ice. Amsterdam thickness of ice. Um, yeah, I'd say given that we're up to 10:30 already, let let's pick up with uh, uh, ice thick next week. Perfect. Thank you. Okay. Uh, 15 minute bio break.